Welcome back to the On the Brink podcast. I'm here with a very special guest, and she's a familiar face here. I have Megan, who was on the Save the IWU School of Music episode a few episodes back. So welcome back, Megan. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. So in case you did not listen to that episode, or even if you did, just as a little refresher, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Megan, and then I'll let her introduce herself. So Megan and I have known each other now for, gosh, I think it's like seven years or something crazy like that. We met freshman year at Illinois Wesleyan University where we were both studying music. Megan was a music ed major and I was vocal performance, but we both ended up uh, going on to grad school for our master's in vocal performance at separate universities. And we have stayed close friends ever since. And so I'm really, really excited to uh, share Megan's story on this episode of like where she's at now and how she got there and just share a few good memories that we have from our college days. And so I think we're going to start with that. Actually, we're going to start reminiscing on some fun stories that we both have. Um, But first, before that, I don't want to forget to let Megan introduce herself a little bit more. Yes. Hello. I am Megan. Um, We, like Emily said, we were roommates for two years actually during college. Um, So yeah, we became friends freshman year and then decided, you know what, let's just live together. Um, We had, you know, some really fun times in our big suite of eight people. And then we were in the same room. Um, Like Emily said, I was a music education major. Music education was always like my passion. Um, you know, through high school, at least music and teaching were kind of both up there. So makes sense to put them together. Um, but then, you know, I kind of realized halfway through, well, I didn't realize I had this, like, um, this thought, like enter my mind and some encouragement from some important people in my life to maybe consider a different career path. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Until the very end of, um, my undergrad. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll just apply and like see what happens. Um, so I did. And now I have a master's degree in vocal performance from the university of North Texas. Um, and I'm actually still a student. I'm working on my, um, graduate artist certificate, which is kind of like a diploma artist diploma kind of program in opera also at UNT. So that's been super fun. Um, I guess a little bit more about what I'm doing now. I'm also teaching a lot of private students just voice. So I still get that teaching fix in my life, you know, but it's not, um, and it's not classroom teaching so much, but um, still teaching um, and performing as well in school and out. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah. Megan does a whole lot of different things and a lot of things. Yeah. She does so much. And I'm always so impressed. She has a beautiful, beautiful voice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can look her up on YouTube. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe wait a little, a couple months and all more videos up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into your path in a little bit and talk about, Mm -hmm. um, 
how it is to be still a student now. And for now, let's start um, sharing some <laughs> funny stories <from> the <laughs> time that we lived together. So Megan said already that we lived together for two years. That was true. We had an eight-person suite for both of those years, um, mm -hmm. one in a very tiny room. And oh, it was very small. It, I think they transferred it all to like singles the year after we left, right? I think so. Yeah. So the room that we shared with two of those, you know, twin extra long beds and two desks and two dressers and, you know, two closets, um, you know, one person gets all of that space now with just one bed and one set of everything plus two closets because they were built in. But it's probably still not yeah. that big, even for one person, because it's no. so tiny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very small. Yeah. <laughs> very small. Yep. So that was definitely a struggle to have, like, that small of a space. But then... Oh, my gosh. Do you remember how we had to share the bathroom, too? So we had eight, us eight in the suite, and then our bathroom was, like, a Jack and Jill community style bathroom with another suite of eight people so it wasn't even just us in the bathroom it was like eight more girls and they were like basketball <laughs> girls right that's right yeah yeah and they they were they threw some ragers so they did we ended up with um some bad like drunk people do you remember Oh yeah, we got some stories from that bathroom. Do you remember when um, one of them tore off one of the stall doors <laughs> in a drunken rage? No. <laughs> <laughs> it happened, I promise. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We actually had one of our friends from a different side of our college experience, I suppose. So not a musician and not one of the girls we lived with. Um, in fact, it was one of their friends in, on the other side um, who happened to also be friends with us. We found him in our bathroom <laughs> once because um, that's just how it was. You know, your guests would use your bathroom, right? So he was taking care of one of his friends that we didn't know. But luckily, he was sober enough and was able to clean everything up. And, you know, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> No, that was kind of a weird, that was a weird year. Um, yeah, it was. Year, sophomore year was weird. So then junior year was much more fun. We had a beautiful, beautiful suite. Um, we had like uh, the townhouse, I think they called it. And we mm -hmm. had like a spiral staircase in our own suite. It was like mm -hmm. multi-level. It was so beautiful. We still shared a room, mm -hmm. but uh, much bigger, much mm -hmm. more space. So that was more fun for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was probably not the most fun or easy roommate. I was always studying. and <laughs> Which is not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing. So Yeah. I mean, I learned eventually by senior year to kind of let loose a little more. Mm -hmm. You were very... You were very concerned about your academics, which is great. I mean, it's wonderful. Um, but it, I think it did hinder you a little bit from letting loose in other ways, you know, a little bit. But like yeah, you said, yeah. you learned. By senior so. year. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah, by your early, when you're in like your early 20s, you're figuring so much out and you're in this like transitional period in college and, and 
you know, then when you hit 21, like when I was a senior, because my birthday's in August, so I mm -hmm. had we're both yeah, babies. Had, yeah. uh, well, same, yeah, same with you. We both had like our senior year to be 21. And so that was definitely the point where I was like, okay, I have the grades. I am doing fine. And now I can like have more fun. And, and so I think like by the time senior year came around, I definitely let loose. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, we have so many good memories from before senior year too. And you know, we, we roomed together for our choir tour too. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. Well, backing up first, when we began um, thinking about being roommates, Emily gave me this little warning <laughs> about um, something kind of weird. She was a little insecure about it. And <laughs> um, but I, of course, was like, oh, no, no big deal. No problem. And what she told me was like, hey, sometimes I sleepwalk and I sleep talk and I was like okay we can deal with this you know um and I have quite a few stories I'm just trying to narrow them down here which ones I can tell no I'm just kidding <laughs> which ones I, <laughs> which ones I want to tell um the one that does stick out the most I think um is was towards the end of our experience together um our second year um, you, you know, we had this thing called Wing Wednesday at Wesleyan where, you know, you would go into the little food court and no matter what the theme of the week was for food, every Wednesday was wings and it was like buffalo, um, um, buffalo wings and, you know, all the different kinds of sauces, kind of like buffalo wild wings. That's what I'm thinking of. Kind of like that, but off brand, you know? like Wesleyan brand, which was great. And it was wonderful. And we loved it. But it was the very end of the year. And Emily in the middle of the night, I kid you not, sat straight up, eyes wide open. You know, she was like, oh, it's the last wing Wednesday. And <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> because, oh my gosh, it was, <laughs> it was Tuesday. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't even Wednesday and it wasn't even the last week. I don't think, I think it was the second to last week and it was Tuesday. <laughs> so don't know what you were thinking or dreaming, but you were very anxious about this. You must've been. Um, and I was like, Emily, no, it's not. I think I told you it was Tuesday and you were like, Oh <laughs> yeah. And then you just like went back to sleep. Um, some of my other favorites are very similar. Um, when you would get up at like three or four in the morning, turn the light on, you know, start getting dressed like, Oh, I gotta go to class. I gotta go to class. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, Emily, it's three in the morning. <laughs> and you're like, it is. And I was like, yeah, what are you doing? You go back to bed. And you're like, okay. And then you just went back then to bed. you stopped me. It was so Good great. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, those are some of my favorites. Yes. You didn't do that so much on choir. Tour, no, though. no, but I was always afraid I would. Right. Like I, I think I always had mm -hmm. to tell you like anytime, sometimes we were fortunate enough to have our own rooms on choir tour. And so whenever we had mm -hmm. separate rooms, I think I would have to tell Megan, Hey, like, just be aware. Like if I come in or if I do something like, you know, hopefully I don't. I was used to it by then. Don't but, worry. Yeah, she knew. <laughs> so she was like, 
you know, she had to be my roommate because no one else Mm -hmm. needed to know, first of all. And second of all, no one else (laughs) knew how to handle it. And Megan had been dealing with it for two years. So yeah, I was, I'm very grateful that you were my roommate. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) Aw, that you handled my my sleepwalking. I don't think that I do it anymore, at least not as much. Yeah. Man, you used to take pictures and send them to me when you were home, Um, like literally in her sleep. She would, she never sent any messages while she was asleep, but she did like take pictures a couple of times and it was, you know, there's the timestamp on it and everything of like the water glasses on the dresser for a while and then the next picture a few minutes later. Later, it was gone, you know, <laughs> or something like that. That's a real, that's a real but, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. But it's a real story. Not really. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Never on tour. Good. Yeah. Well, I don't have any crazy stories about Megan, um, which is good. You, <laughs> you know, don't really? <laughs> not from sleeping, but we have some, yeah. we have some good memories from choir tour of um, mm-hmm. this woman. One time we, so basically we would stay in these homestays on choir tour and we would stay with these random strangers and, you know, you just usually members of the church where we were singing. So, you know, not totally they were random. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was prearranged, but we mm-hmm. always hoped that we would have a good one. And like, sometimes we did. I mean, we stayed in some mansions sometimes. Oh my gosh. Sometimes we had our own little side of the house, like like servants' quarters turned guest suite kind of thing. One of the houses had an elevator, I and they that. made like homemade salsa and made a bonfire. It was so nice. Wow. Yeah, we oh, were spoiled. They were lovely. We were spoiled but sometimes, then, but then yeah, sometimes we had um, the opposite. And this one woman <laughs> took us home, and she oh, lived so by herself. And I think on the way over, she said, oh, you'll have to excuse my, my house. I turned off the water, but I can turn it back on if you want. And it's like, yeah, I think we'll, (laughs) I think we'll need the water. We'll need a shower and to go to the bathroom at some point during the night. Um, But I remember (laughs) that she said that if, if she turned the water on, that the toilet would run all night and that's why Mm -hmm. she couldn't have it on. But we said, you know, we'd rather have that than not have water. Like we need, we need the water. Well, the toilet did run all night. I do remember that. And I remember (laughs) being in a room with like a collage of dog photos on the wall, but they were like the most frightening, hideous dog photos I've ever seen. I mean, had like, glaring eyes like being in it's like being in a room full of dolls right like the creepy dolls except they're all dogs yeah yeah i remember that oh my god and it was terrifying yeah and then we woke up and and she was like singing downstairs like and playing the piano I forgot about that and, oh my god you're right and it was so yeah. strange and then we finally went downstairs and like they usually provided breakfast but she had not provided anything and I think she said that she had something like some sort of like frozen muffin or fr- what was it it was a gluten-free a gluten-free English muffin in her freezer so she hadn't even defrosted it and so I basically, I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll take that. Literally, she had nothing to put on it. There was not even a toaster. And that was all. And then we had to leave because we were running late. 
we had to leave. Right. And I, I think remember. we were like, also like, let's go, let's get out of here. <laughs> because yeah. it was like, yeah. I, I remember she was like, she was trying to come up with like some other options, but at that point we were like, no, no, let's just go. We'll get something like at a rest stop or something. Like we'll figure it out. Um, I feel kind of bad for her. I mean, she lives alone. I think she probably doesn't have a whole lot of like family nearby or anything or friends. I don't know. It was, it didn't seem like it was a good situation. No. Yeah. And and you definitely feel bad for these people. And, you know, you're grateful that they opened up their home for you. But then it's also like, Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. she shouldn't be opening her home up if she can't handle it. Um, You know, but, but that was definitely a memorable, a memorable experience and not in a positive way. But yeah, good good times. Overall, overall choir tour was so much fun. So great. We could probably go on and have stories for so long. Oh, absolutely. I have a mug, you know, there's little gifts that they give you sometimes. And one of them was a travel mug that they put my coffee in and I still have it and use it all the time. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Cute. Yeah. I love that. Well, so moving on, we could, like I said, talk about choir tour and roommate stories forever. So now I want to talk a little bit about the transition from senior year to grad school, which both both me and Megan had. And I think for me personally, it was really hard to be auditioning all of senior year, or it felt like all of senior year, basically. You're putting your applications in in the fall, and then you're auditioning for like the entire spring. And then you're also prepping a recital like Mm -hmm. both of us did. And so it's like an incredibly busy time in a musician's life to be a senior in college and then to also be auditioning for grad school. And so I just want to take a moment or a few minutes to to chat about that and, and what that transition was like, because like I said, for me, it was really tough. So what was it like for you, Megan? Oh man, it was also very tough. Um, um, and yeah, similarly, you're, you know, preparing your applications and your, um, you know, pre-screening videos and your like personal statement and all that stuff. And I was doing all of that while I was student teaching too. Um, and then I was also dealing with some vocal health stuff just from the student teaching and from, you know, abusing my voice, honestly, a little bit, you know, from teaching and stuff. So that was fun. But um yeah. And I guess like we talked about the decision of like, do I go into the real world and teach? And, you know, the way I am, like I would never be able to leave that kind of lifestyle as far as like having all of those kids who I would feel like needed me in some way, especially like being a music teacher. Um, you know, your room, your hallway becomes like a safe space for a lot of people. Um, at least that's what I experienced when I was student teaching and when I was in high school myself, you know. Um, those rooms become home to a lot of people. So I felt like if I did that, I would kind of have to stay and do that forever um, or go to grad school and develop this other side of um, my passion that I kind of realized in college. So I was dealing with all of that and trying to figure out what I wanted. And I feel like that was a new concept for me. Like, what do I actually want? Like me, Megan. What do I want to do with my life rather than like allowing myself to be told, if that makes sense. 
And I got a lot of opinions from various people, you know, professors and um, parents and mentors and, you know, oh, but this job has job security and you're going to have a salary and it'll be, you know, this way and this is much more risky and, you know, all of those things. Um, but ultimately I had to like learn how to really hone in on what I wanted to do, um, which was like a very scary thing too. Um, for me to do so yeah but I did it and I'm here and living my best life so <laughs> yeah I think you brought up such a good point um like you have to do what's best for you and sometimes that's a really hard realization mm -hmm. because especially as musicians or people in the arts we're constantly told that like the opportunities are slim and that you're never going to be an opera singer like that's too competitive or you're not going to make any money you're not going to be able to have your living just from being a musician and i think that is so false and i hope that whoever is listening to this whether you're a musician or not i hope that this resonates with you because there are so many opportunities out there whether you are trying to be an opera singer or you're trying to do what I do, which is like arts administration or something completely different in the arts, there are mm -hmm. a million different options. And I guarantee you that if you love what you're doing and you try to be successful doing it, eventually it might take time, but eventually I think you'll be able to make it and you will be able to make money doing what you love. And, you know, I hate when, when there's that pressure from other people, even in your family, which I'm lucky I don't have that. My family is very supportive of the arts, but I know other people who, whose families are not. And I can't imagine moving forward without, mm -hmm. without that kind of support. So I totally understand the pressure, but I just want everyone out there to know that it is very, very possible to make a living and be very successful and be happy working in the arts. Absolutely. There's so many things. I mean, there's definitely an aspect of like, oh yeah, I need to like support myself and, you know, having a side hustle does help, but eventually you'll be able to whittle down like what you really love to do. For example, this semester <laughs> I had, you know, six jobs and I was very fortunate that they all had to do with singing. You know, I work at my church where I get paid to sing in the choir. And for me, that's really fulfilling because A, I'm singing, B, I get a huge community of like music loving folks who are just very supportive in every way. Um, and C, it's also just um, a fulfilling place for me as far as like spiritual fulfillment as well as like musical fulfillment and things. Um, so there's that. And I teach private lessons at a couple of different schools. Um, and I substitute teach every now and again when I and when they need me and things, um, which is again one of my passions. And then I also sing with an opera company um, regularly. You know, I do rehearsals for a couple weeks at a time, and then we take our shows into schools. And that's where I'm at in my career right now. But I get to sing, and I get to sing for kids, and I get to sing like for money. You know, they pay me to do that. So that's pretty great. And then I had a chorus contract as well, where I was going to sing in one of the main stage shows, you know, as part of the ensemble. And like, there's ways that you can kind of figure out, okay, how can I do what I love and make money 
to support myself. Like there's so many options out there and you'll figure out a way to make it your own too. If you don't love teaching, okay, then do something else. If you don't, you know, if you're not a church person and it really grinds your gears to go trek down to church, for me, it's like 45 minute drive (laughs) every week um, or more on Wednesdays and Sundays and sometimes Saturdays or, you know, whenever, then okay, don't do that, you know, but there's definitely a way to make it happen. Everyone's path is going to be different. So I think for me, it's been nice to see the variety among like my mentors and my peers and just anyone out there. Like it's really great to get the perspective of, of multiple people and not just see one person's path because personally, like my voice teacher had such a unique path, like going from her undergrad to her master's to her doctorate straight away, and then on to many opera companies. And that's not going to be my reality, but that was hers. And that's amazing. But like every single person's path is going to be different. And I think in today's world, having multiple things that you love is not a bad thing. If anything, it's going to help you. And like, like you said, Megan, like you're singing at a church and you're singing for an opera company and you're teaching and you're doing all these things. And for me, it's, it's the arts administration and the singing at a church and, you know, piecing together and the teaching and all of these things. And, you know, I think it benefits me more than anything to have multiple things as hard as it is on my schedule. And sometimes, you know, on my mental health, like trying not to be anxious from all these different things, but that's another topic for another day. Um, I could go on about that forever, but I think it's just reassuring to know that everyone's path is different and that you're not the only one trying to figure it out. And if you don't love something, don't do it. Um, you know, I have come across many different paths in the arts that I personally don't, I don't love. And like, for me, I don't want, I know that I don't want to be performing in operas as my, my main thing. And I don't have the drive for it, but I'm willing to admit that. Like, that's the first step. You have to be willing to admit what you do and do not want to do. And it's allowed to change. Yeah. You're allowed to change your mind along the way, which is what's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to discover stuff too. Like I discovered oratorio kind of late in my undergrad career and mostly in, in grad school, I kind of started exploring oratorio as an option. And turns out oratorio is a whole other world of classical singing that you can make money from and that you can have a career in. And Good money too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not saying that I'm going to be able to do that, but I'm sure going to try in a couple of years or whenever the right time is for me, it's not right now, but I think, you know, it's good that I know that about myself. And I think if I had to offer up any advice, not that anyone is seeking advice, but if they were, <laughs> um, you know, I would say just be willing to explore different options and don't, don't limit yourself, but also just be really honest with yourself about what you do and don't like. And realize that it might be a timing thing. You know, there, I just saw, um, I saw Isabel Leonard, who is famous um, mezzo-soprano, soprano. She's kind of a zvishan kind of person. And um, she had her Met debut at 24. Okay. But then there's like people who have their Met debut when they're like 50. 
So there's such a huge disparity and it's, it's about what your own definition of success is. And again, that's allowed to evolve and change and be discovered throughout your life. Your goals might change. You might meet the person of your dreams and you know what? My career can wait. I want to do this right now. And that's totally fine and acceptable. And that doesn't mean that you're a failure at music if you decide to choose a different route, you know? For sure. Because music isn't something that like it's it's an achievement and things, but it's not the end all be all. It's it's, you know, a wonderful thing, but if it's not making you happy anymore, then okay, that's fine. Do what makes you happy. Going off of that though, like what you said, like if you meet the person of your dreams, um, it just kind of sparked a thought in my head about um making sacrifices though as a musician and i think that is is real um i think that musicians and people artists and anyone in the arts have to make some sacrifices if they really really truly want to make it doing what they do um for me the sacrifice that i make is like giving up my weekends i have not had a weekend and i'm talking like pre coronavirus again cuz right now i have all the time in the world but um like on a normal given week in a normal given week, I would never have my weekends free ever. And that really took a toll on, on my like social life and being able to date and just normal things that people can do on the weekends. I, I was not able to, to do anything cause I was always working. And that is something that I was willing to give up because I love my job and I love what I do. But I think, you know, in the arts. And I know a lot of other people also have to give up things too. It's not just artists. I know there's other fields and other um, jobs that have to give up a lot, but I only know from my own experience, I'm just talking about people in the arts. Specifically speaking, I think that dating as a person in the arts, especially with many jobs, is just so incredibly difficult. Do you agree, Megan? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working quite a few jobs. I'm also a full-time student right now. Um, and so, you know, the only people, this is actually something I wanted to, wanted to say too before. Illinois Wesleyan is a very small school of music, right? Very small university as a whole, right? So that's great. And then I came to UNT, which is one of the largest schools of music in the entire country. So that was a shock to me. Um, so even at Wesleyan, we got to interact with other instrumentalists, other musicians in the school. Now I pretty much only interact with opera people specifically, not even like all of voice. It's like mostly the people who are in opera. That's who I see. And that's it. So if I want to look outside of that pool of people, you know, then that gets difficult because I don't have time to, if that makes sense, you know? So other than my jobs, which again are mostly to do with music. So it's still the same kinds of people, um, you know, and maybe that's just easier to kind of stay within the opera singer world of a partner potentially, or, um, I don't know. I think there's pros and cons to that, definitely. Pros being that they understand your passion, your drive, your work ethic, and um, 
you know, the lifestyle that, that you both chose, right? Um, cons being that you're probably both traveling and you're probably never home at the same time. And, um, you know, if it comes to it, whose career do you guys give up if you're in a partnership? You know, like, can if only one of you can continue, who, who does it be? Who, who does it be? <laughs> That's not a sentence. Um, <laughs> who will it be, you know? Um, <laughs> so, you know, it gets harder to have a family. It's harder to do all these things. Yeah, so there's all sorts of um, things to consider, I suppose, when um, when deciding on that or looking elsewhere outside of musicians in the dating pool. Right, right. And I think there's something to be said, too, about personalities of musicians. And I really don't want to stereotype, but... I think I kind of can because I've, I've seen <laughs> enough um, and I've, you know, I haven't really like seriously dated any musicians, but I kind of steer clear of the vocalists I tend to. <laughs> I think sometimes there's like a little bit of a sense of competition because mm-hmm. guys have it a little bit easier than the Sopranos. It's just okay, a fact. A lot easier. <laughs> It is. And Sopranos have to work a lot harder because there's 5 million of us. And I don't really want to see, like, if I have some boyfriend that's, you know, getting all these gigs and I'm not getting any, that would be really hard. And also, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't know, just big personalities. And that goes for me, too. That goes for on the other side. Like, that goes for the, the girls, too. But, or whoever you know whoever you're dating well right because we have to have big personalities we have to stand out we have to be remembered we you know that's part of the business i think and so the people with those personalities and with those um memorable traits shall we say um you know that's who's successful and that's who survives right right but yeah i think personally i've kind of tried to stay away from that and like I I don't know, I didn't really meet anyone. Like the only way I'd be meeting a musician was during grad school, I guess, and I didn't. And so now like I mean, I work at a venue, I work at a church, like there's not a lot of like male singers anyway or like I wouldn't really be meeting mm-hmm. any musicians through my jobs at the moment. But yeah, not saying I'd be closed off to dating a musician, but I just think at this point in my life, uh, I would be hesitant maybe unless it was the right person, but I'm just really generalizing here and I don't really mean to like generalize. (laughs) I, I just mean if the right person came along, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I think that's the like overarching, like whoever it ends up to be, you know, whoever, um, is meant for you will be meant for you no matter what their occupation. Um, and of course, now that we've said, you know, oh, we're staying away from this, of course, that's who we're going to meet, right? And that's who we're going <laughs> to settle down with because that's just the way the world works sometimes. But um, yeah, who knows? You know. Who knows what will happen? But, you know, I think just it's hard as a musician to meet anyone um, when you're so busy and you're so focused on your career. And like, I've always prioritized mm-hmm. school and my career. And now I kind of have everything going for the moment. Like it could change any time, but for now I'm, I'm kind of settled in where I'm at. And 
you know, it would be a good time to meet someone, I guess. But as I really truly believe, and I probably will say this throughout my podcasts, but everything happens in its right time. And even though it's hard to meet people, it's like you just never know when when you will. And I something that I've been living by lately is that if you are truly um living your life the best you can, the best way you know how, and you like know yourself and are able to really dig deep into like what your passions are and you're finding your own place in this world, that's the time when the right person is going to walk into your life. Just like you said, everything's in its right time. Everything happens, you know, for some reason or another. I hate when people say that (laughs) sometimes, right? That everything happens for a reason, but maybe it's just the timing is always right. Or you always learn something or you're reminded of something important in that time. Um, and that's something that I really believe is like, if you are finding your own way, the way that you want it to be, and you are living, um, your best life, shall we say, um, that's when like the right thing is going to come along for you. For sure. And I think timing is, it is a huge part and is a real thing and yes. there's right and wrong timing and you may not know that at the time, but <laughs> You have to always remember that. I always have to remember that personally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because things are hard to deal with. And I mean, I think as singers too, we also um, tend to be a little bit more, again, this is a generalization, perhaps a little bit more outwardly emotional, you know, because we're used to being um, vulnerable on stage or in our singing. Um, And so sometimes, at least for me, I guess, I'm just speaking for me. I guess I can't speak for everyone else, but that's hard to like um, keep separate. Um, We tend to be more emotional beings. And so sometimes those situations really seem like overly dramatic in our lives or traumatic or I don't know, we tend to handle them with much more drama maybe than is necessary sometimes speaking for myself um but (laughs) but it it impacts us you know well I take I take everything really seriously like like any person that I'm interested or like friendships too it goes the same way it's like we get like deeply well I'm, I'm speaking for myself now okay like I just get very invested and this was another thing that I wanted to to touch on too before we go is um is like friendships and how going moving back now to like college and like post college and that whole transition after college and for some people it's college to a career for us it was college to grad school but there's always going to be this hardship of keeping up friendships when you leave college and you know, college is always such a fun time because you're probably living like close to all your friends. You have easy access to them all the time. Like I had so many people, like we lived in an eight person suite. So we always had people around. It was easy access all the time. But when you leave college, you're probably leaving all those friends and moving on to either a new location, a new job, you know, some sort of transition. And so I think that is something 
not a lot of people talk about maybe and you know you're gonna lose friends you're gonna gain friends you're gonna go through this whole whole transition period when you leave college absolutely absolutely for me like leaving college was leaving what was comfortable leaving the people that I had grown with for four years you know Emily being one of those mean people <laughs> we spent a lot of time together um and then coming to UNT you know I never thought I was going to move to Texas I'm from Wisconsin originally you know like there is no way I was going to move to Texas but here we are um and it didn't take long for me to like you know, figure out, okay, who are my people here, you know, um, and making new friends. And I think the beautiful thing about this day and age is the technology and the ability to keep in touch a little more easily than if we had to like be only pen pals or something, you know, um, with Emily going to Massachusetts and me going to Texas. I mean, there's no way we would be able to keep our, you know, addresses <laughs> straight, right? All the times that we've had to move. I'm sure. But um, that being said, at the same time, we were both very busy. So we don't communicate that often. Um, but I think with Facebook and Instagram, we are able to keep up with each other's lives enough that when, or if we see something that's wrong, you know, we can kind of reach out and be like, hey, thinking about you or, you know, whatever. And the best thing is that when we do finally pick up the phone or FaceTime or, chat on messenger or something right um it's like no time has passed or it's it's not awkward it's not like who are you again <laughs> right it's you know it's still comfortable which i think is really wonderful i agree and i'm glad you know that we found the time to to keep up with each other throughout the years and i yeah. will say like just as a general statement to my listeners you know if you can even just reach out to your friends every once in a while, it, it means so much. Like when I get an unexpected mm -hmm. text from a friend that I haven't heard from in a while, it's so exciting. It's so nice, especially in this quarantine. It's like, we all have some extra time. Let's, you know, check up on each other make sure everyone's doing okay. Um, but it, even like before and after all this quarantine, it's just nice to reach out to your friends sometimes. And like, I'm not always the best at it and we all get busy and we all make excuses, but like, it does not take that much energy or time to just send like a, Hey, how are you doing? Sort of message. I got one of those today from my friend who actually lives in the same city and we go to school together and we work together. <laughs> um, but we hadn't talked in a few days, you know, and she just said, hi, I love you. That's all. <laughs> and that was so nice, you know, I'd be like, huh, this person that I normally talk to a lot or, you know, that I haven't talked to in a while, um, you know, just that she's thinking about me and that's so sweet. And yeah. And Emily and I do that for each other, you know, once in a while, which is nice. And this time has been great for our friendship. I think, you know, being able to, um, communicate when Emily asked me to come on this podcast, um, twice, basically, <laughs> you know, we planned this episode a while ago and then had an emergency, like special episode for Wesleyan, but that really sparked like a little bit of, you know, Hey, how's it going? How's life going? And we both at different times have been like, wow, today is just like, maybe not the day to record. And then we talk about it. You know, it's nice to like have that, you know, the flexibility and the knowledge that like we're there for each other, which is really great. For sure. Yes. I completely agree. 
Um, so if you get nothing else out of this podcast today, I hope that you at least like reach out to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while or, you know, just say hi, say something very, very minimal, but anything is better than nothing. And if you've been meaning to reach out to someone for a while, you know, take this as your sign that you should do it. And if you know me, you know, I kind of believe in signs. So oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah but you should see emily's eyes sometimes she'll they'll get really wide (laughs) and she'll look at me and it's a sign (laughs) oh i cut that out (laughs) i'll leave it in i don't edit my podcast too much um well anyway been so great having megan on here so thank you again megan for being on my podcast twice now Maybe she'll make a third appearance one day too. Hey, hey. (laughs) And we have so much that we could chat about. We could probably go on for hours, but you don't want that. (laughs) No, it'd be too much. But yeah. Um, but thank you again for listening and I'll see you all next week.